evening. So, yes, I was wondering how to begin, and um, it sometimes happens. Uh, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Some struggle happening, and um, so I thought, well, let's follow the program, let's apply the practice. <laughs> so I was thinking about you all and things I've heard in groups today, and um, yeah, you know, the challenge is not just in being on retreat, it's also being the, being the teacher thing. It's challenges too. So, um, so I said, okay, acknowledge, feeling, body, okay, what's happening? Can I just bring a little bit more welcome? Oh, and then, okay, yes. And actually, I was like, oh, God, this works. <laughs> I was like, wow, could I even imagine feeling somewhat, um, oh, thank you, Zoe, are you turning it up? Excellent. How's that? Yeah, good, okay. So um, then, I think, could I imagine feeling loved and accepted, even though I have this, you know, I don't know what to do? And yeah, so, and then the next thing that happened was a sort of space opened up, as was mentioned last night, a sense of softening or opening, or, and um, then I, I had a sense of what I wanted to share as a kind of opening for this talk, so, yeah, and I also was noticing how for me often lying down is very helpful, it's interesting isn't it with the postures, how Sometimes just shifting from one to another can just somehow help the energy shift or the perspective shift as well. So this is a very creative, isn't it? as we keep saying, alive. I was thinking to us a little bit of an improvisational art, actually. If you know, maybe one way we could think about it. And um, what I, I'd like to begin by sharing is some sense of uh, something of real, very, real interest to me, um, on, ongoing interest in um, how we can find for ourselves and also uh, offer to others and share with each other, I think, as we hope you feel we're beginning to provide and be and receive and benefit from and offer a, a space, a friendly space. You know, so to some extent then there are you know, 48 different retreats going on and yet to some extent there is just one and it's something very beautiful that can can begin to be created together or found found together. And I know for myself that's been a very important um, perception or yeah, kind of perspective to, to find and to bring in. And to, to partly, I won't go into that here, but how we can participate in the creation and sustaining of places, spaces, occasions of that kind, you know, away from here, in our lives and in the world. Creation and participation in friendly spaces seems to me very, very important. Um, so uh, two, I want to share two pieces. And I think, you know, that the role of metta, of goodwill, friendliness, this quality of the different facets, warmth and... Um, Connection is yeah, a key part of how this space that we can, yeah, we might experience it as a, a sort of inner space or as a, a, shared, um, a shared space. So I want to share a poem that some of you may know very well, but I love and I, I come back to it again and again. I hope you, you will enjoy, find it helpful. It's The Guest House by Rumi. Um. 
being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honourably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Yeah, so the guest house. And the other, the other aspect of this I wanted to share is um, a teaching from Henry Nouwen, who's a Christian theologian, who has uh, offered some wonderful, wonderful teachings on uh, hospitality, particularly in uh, terms of a spiritual community. And um, so I want to share this with you as well, because I feel like, anyway, it feels to me how some describes some in some way what we what we do here or what, what this can be for us. So hospitality means primarily the creation of a free space where a stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Says hospitality is not to change people, but to offer space where change can take place. A friendly emptiness where people can discover their freedom dance their own dances and leave free to follow their own vocation. I just love that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think as a retreat develops here, you know, you are dancing your own dances. You know, some sitting, some standing, some lying down, or you're doing your exercise in the garden. Or, I don't know, to me, sometimes it can feel a bit like a dance. And, and you're beginning to find your own way and your own rhythm and your own, you know, exploring what what's, uh, yeah, what, what's a helpful rhythm or again that sort of improvisational kind of aspect. You know, what's needed now? So, yeah. So I wanted to offer. I think it's something like a smorgasbord of uh, possibilities, just thoughts, reflections for how this quality of meta can be cultivated or connected with. Or, um, and many, many ways, many, many ways. And you know what we've been offering today, you know, just just one uh, or a group among many many possibilities. And um, I think someone was asking a question this afternoon in a group that I, I think I will yeah, need to reflect on further about cultivation and you know, is it, is it um, perhaps others have been feeling this sometimes, it feels like a, a sort of contrivance, you know, we kind of is it does it feel sort of authentic or you know we're trying to sort of construct or create something? And this is very interesting. Um, and I was thinking, you know, if you look into the teachings of the Buddha, he, he is often he's saying, you know, cultivate the good, cultivate the wholesome, bring that into being, you know, all these different qualities of mindfulness and patience and Bring this into being. Bring these qualities, these kinds of you know, kindness. So there's something to really understand, and and to in a, 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 you know, as 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 I was saying last night, not to believe the, the teacher, but to inquire and to look and see. 
you know, okay, well, well, why was that being said? And, and the Buddha would say, you know, abandon the unskillful qualities. So there's definitely something about inclining or encouraging certain qualities and, and letting go of others. But how we can how we can engage in that in a way where it feels um, like it makes sense to us. And I think that can be, you know, a process of exploration, trying different ways of study and under, you know, trying to understand for ourselves why, why is this important? What does it mean to be, to, to incline the whole mind towards, towards skillful qualities without it being... Um, Mm, yeah, without it being um, somehow fake or I don't know something, something like that, which maybe you can feel. But then I was thinking, you know, that there's also that that thing where you you you, you can uh, acquiring a new skill or developing something, it can feel very awkward and clunky, can't it? And then as you do more, it it, it sort of starts to feel more natural. And so maybe this is one of those. Things. I remember I, I used to be involved in the theatre and I remember one of our directors was, you rehearse it until it's spontaneous. <laughs> Which I, I found that very interesting and, and actually found it some, you know, some real truth in that, that somehow there was something where when it was so, it was so settled in, then something about the offering of the performance would be much more something really alive and actually everyone was different and we were able to adapt and, and kind of you know make all sorts of little shifts and things because because we knew it so well as a group and, and individually. And perhaps there's something about that that there's like, the more familiar we are with the basic territory or those pathways then you know things can just more of the time many me happen and arise spontaneously and naturally so we're not going around you know trying to remember to be kind or it just it can it can happen and I and I have a lot of respect for you know the practice of um, reflection for a month for a year you know as we're doing you know here for a day or a week that actually it, it sows seeds and it sows, it sows kind of possibilities and potentials that nothing necessarily happens, you know, right now. But again, as, as Zohar was sharing the story about Sharon Salzburg, you know, doing a week of meta for herself and thinking nothing's happening, you know, and then, oh, you know, dropping the glass jar and being surprised, a very spontaneous kind of arising of, of the... Um, a kind of new sense of care for herself, you know, sort of following on the hab- habitual kind of you clutz. And I was thinking, and maybe um, that that consciously reflecting, like one of the one of the little dishes on the smorgasbord I want to share is that this this um, the value of conscious reflection, of of, of even study. You know, of, of, of the kind of what what does this really mean? What 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 is kindness or what is metta? What how does that? Um, you know, if you can read, listen to talks, you know, talk to people, think about it. There's real value in that because I think part of where we maybe get stuck is that we're we're sort of really without realizing it, being sort of lazy or something like we're just kind of riding around an idea and we haven't really digested um, and I think that that's not a once-off process I, I, I can feel for me it's, it's, it comes again and again and, and maybe it's that beginner's mind or it's just confusion, I don't know, sometimes I'm not sure which is which but you know, I think yeah, what is meta? I don't know you know, and it's like, what am I going to say? and um, but there's that sense of that's the, the spirit of inquiry and freshness and always somehow learning something new. And um, yeah, that maybe maybe that's maybe that's helpful. So I was remembering, you know, various examples. So another thing I wanted to mention again, because I think it's really Again, this the helpfulness of remembering. Again, there's 
remembering acts of kindness, for example, remembering kind of something you did or something another person did or something you witnessed. Very interesting. I, I've, I, so another way, perhaps, you know, these stories, we're always telling ourselves stories, aren't, aren't we? And I recently came across a, a poem by an early Buddhist nun and, and said, I'm paraphrasing slightly at the end of it, if you're going to tell yourself stories, why not tell yourself a story of freedom? And I was thinking, in this, in the context of what we're doing today, this week, you know, if you're going to tell yourself stories, why not tell yourself stories about kindness? Right? And then see, see what the effect of it is. Um, I think, yeah, a number of reasons maybe why that that is helpful and encouraging and inspiring. I think one is that we are very social creatures, aren't we? You know, where do we learn? Where do we learn about kindness and the lack of kindness? And we, we, we learn a lot about that, don't we, in relationship to other people. I mean, it doesn't take much, you know, looking at the, the planet and looking at um, so much of how yeah, people have trouble with kindness, and there's this, you know, devastation that ensues when it's absent. You know, and then feeling it in a very small scale, don't we? Very intimately in our own process. Do you, do you maybe have you experienced that today in, in the guest house? You know, the, the meanness we can have towards ourselves. It's just like, wow, you know. Nice um, confessional. I was in a bit of a negative state yesterday. My thanks to my two lovely colleagues here for being very patient with me. And I was noticing how I was very, I was very much picking up on their steadiness and kindness and non-rejection of me. It didn't make me instantly feel better. I'm like, you know, okay, magic wand. I'm okay now. I'm fine. It's all gone. You know, it was more like just that <coughs> reminder we can be for each other, isn't it? That somehow, even that moment, you know, the mind state still kind of got hold of us, but that the other person can just, you know, be for us in that moment a, a, a reminder that there is actually something else, or this will pass, or, you know. And also, I think that maybe part of why some, uh, the, the, the guest house or the hospitality is so important is that we perhaps have been rejected for, you know, we've rejected ourselves for, you know, our unpleasant emotions or, you know, or that whole scenario where, you know, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not proper, polite, acceptable, etc., so we're very, we're very social beings, and so I think that to, you know, like the Buddha often says, um, comes up in the suttas as an antidote to every single hindrance. I think it's the only one that repeats for all five: is uh, good friends and suitable conversation. Many, many 
stories. I was thinking, yeah, you, you just just one example of um, a sort of spontaneous um, arising actually happened in Finland. And I've been to Finland a bit, a wonderful country. And uh, I was in a pharmacy in an area of, uh, of Helsinki, just outside Helsinki. And, uh, and uh, you yeah, there practicing and teaching and so on. And noticing um, a woman and uh, very upset and cross with a, a, a boy, I think was about that big, so young, young. And, and just noticing and just just being open and, and present with that and, and just noticing that they, they'd lost something. And then, you know, how you just like, oh, maybe they'd been to the counter and they'd maybe got a chip for, a, you know, for a medicine and then they dropped the chip and I saw a piece of paper on the floor, you know, somewhere. And so I, I went and picked it up and indeed it was some kind of, Chit, which I couldn't read because it wasn't finished, but and I, I sort of sort of waved it at the woman, and she just was like, so she thanked me profusely in Finnish. I'm, I'm, and I knew I was being thanked, even though that I didn't understand all the words. And so it was love. It was, and you've probably had many many experiences like that, you know. And and as I think Zoha was mentioning at some point, how you know. When we reflect and we practice it, I think it, it makes us more primed for responding, you know, in a natural way. And and obviously we don't always, sometimes we miss the opportunity or, you know, we just feel grumpy so we don't do it. Or, but just, yeah. And, and the power of telling, telling a story, telling, telling stories. That's really interesting, you know. We, we tend to sort of stories have a bad press, don't they? Buddhist meditations, like that's what you're supposed to stop doing. Um, but I think there's there's something very, as a human being, you know, something very nourishing potentially in that. And um, but I, I won't carry on telling stories. I thought, you know, there's lots of other wonderful stories. So if you're ever, you know, again, in, in terms of the smorgasbord, you could. Experiment with that, remembering little stories that you've you've heard, you know, and, and and again as a practice we can we can and sometimes I make them up, you know, like you do for children sometimes. So there's a potential for something really really yeah another form of creativity there. Um, yeah, so. In addition to what I was suggesting for practice today, I mean, I ended up with the phrases, and I, I wanted to say a little bit about about practicing the formal meta practice phrases because I I was I was uh, slightly afraid that I'd given it a bad press, um, and I, I didn't really want to imply that at all. And I know some people practice with that, and, and indeed I do sometimes. And so I wanted, you know, we may be doing that over the days coming. And I, I wanted to kind of, yeah, just encourage that as well as part of your exploration. And just to say one or two things about if, if we're practicing with phrases, what can, be, what can be helpful. And I think it's, again, I keep coming back to this, something about improvisation. As if you're making up a, a story or a piece of music, or you're, you're, you're listening, you're, so you can play with the pace of the phrases or the, the tone. That's a really interesting one. Yeah, sort of listen to the tone of the how you're silently saying the words. Yeah, or as somebody was saying today, really reflecting on the meaning can really, like she was saying, padding it out, you know, kind of really how that just can really bring bring something to life. Um, or allowing silences, this kind of sense of listening, so you, you might say the phrase and then it's like a kind of out-breath, this pausing and, and just listening, being sensitive to any kind of effects or just letting the ripples of that quieten 
into the into the silence. Um, and how you know sometimes again our minds can be so so complicated that sometimes the more creative um, work using images and so on can just feel too kind of too much too too uh, too potentially proliferative. So the simplicity, the simplicity of just staying with the repetition, these simple words with the simple image of the friend or the animal, and staying with that and some some sense of the body. And again, in that, then there's a kind of a patience and a quietness and a and a allowing it to be a more maybe quiet, un, un dramatic process that, that we, we allow it to be mm, yeah, quieter and more simple and trust, it's like planting, planting seeds planting seeds so, so much of our practice I think, you know, when we're doing the metta and, and other things we, we really it's really helpful for us to have some kind of a, a, a wise, wide or long view of the process of cultivation, you know, as, as, as well as this sort of more momentary and, and, and immediate sensitivity and flexibility that we're developing. And um, a long time ago, this, this image came to me, and it still, I hope it still works. Um, maybe see if it works for you. You might you might find your own your own um, image. The the image of turning a turning a really really like a mile long oil tanker. You know those things. I think some of them apparently are a mile long. And you might you turn the turn the wheel. Tell I'm not a boat person. It's like probably call something else. Isn't it? What's it called? <laughs> anyway. You you turn and have you, you've got to wait, haven't you? I mean I just. Recently was in a boat. Anyway, and I noticed you. You know, you, you shift, and then you have to wait. And there might be a very, very slight shift of direction, but the 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 oil tanker ends up in a very different destination. That's the point. That's the point. So. Do you see, it's like valuing those small shifts. And so many of you have mentioned today and yesterday some of these small, small but significant shifts. And that, that over time <coughs> make a, a huge difference to our, to our experience, to our way of being with others, um, way of being with ourselves. Um, and yeah, many, many other images, I won't, I won't tell you all of them. Um, I love the image of a beacon, like like a lighthouse light, because sometimes you know when you're all caught up and it's really difficult and just you know it's like I have the sense you look through it all, and then somehow you know ahead of you in the distance like it's like yeah, Menta, it's like okay, you know I've got a sense of that being possible, or I can sort of almost see it through whatever's going on. Um, or sometimes I actually sense it as something behind me. So anyway, it's interesting. You might find your own your own version of that, but like a beacon or a, a lighthouse light that you can like something sort of that gives you a sense of direction, even in the midst of what's really what's really difficult. Or um, pickling a cucumber, <laughs> which is a bit more silly, possibly, but sense of that you put yourself in something and then you know it happens sort of happens so you're pickling in case you didn't know <laughs> you're in the pickle jar and it's happening you know it's happening ah yeah so um so continuing around the smorgasbord um I wanted to share uh, one of the main ways, well, actually two of them, but first, um, one of them, the main way 
suttas that the Buddha teaches metta meditation. So, you know, perhaps this is what we should be doing. Um, uh, so, I definitely offer this, and again, we haven't got time to do everything in one day, but I really wanted to share this with you, because it is, it is one way of practicing. And um, recently, uh, if you're interested, uh, the Bhikkhu Analyo, who's written several books, and one of them, uh, Compassion and Emptiness, would be a good reference for this particular approach, which is very much based on, connected with the Buddha's um, teaching in the early discourses. So um, I'll just try and, try and read this. And um, yeah, so just, yeah, just, just um, see. Abide, pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with goodwill. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth. So above, below, around, and everywhere, and to all as to yourself. Abide, pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with goodwill. Abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. Isn't that beautiful? And um, it can be is in uh, some of the uh, monastic traditions. That's a, that's a chant. Some of you may know it. Um, I want to come and maybe end this talk with a little a chant. Not this one, but another. But can you hear the, this is a, so sending metta in, in, these different, in these different directions. That's the basic practice, you can play with that. You know, sometimes it's, people imagine it's like, you, it's like a sun shining. And all you really have to do is sort of, you know, let go of what impedes and inhibits and obstructs and covers and let the, let the goodwill shine, shine out or... Yeah, consciously, intentionally sort of sending it in different directions. So you can see it's interesting, isn't it? Because that doesn't pick out particular beings. Um, it's more diffuse or suffusive than that. So again, just again to offer some different ways in, really, you know, so you can find an experiment. And there's a lot to explore here. And another thing I want to share is a, a kind of a translation that I did of that uh, paragraph, inspired by the some reflections on. I'm not a Pali scholar, the original you know language in which these teachings were recorded, but I listened to Ajahn Suchito, who's one of my main teachers. I listened to him. Um, explain some of the meanings of the Pali words. So that's another, I think, very, if, if any of you are into language and words, to actually look into and listen to these, you know, some of these people like, or maybe learn Pali yourself if you, if you have the inclination, but to understand, to kind of feel, taste some of the different resonances and meanings and associations of these words can be a very helpful way of Ah, you know, connecting with the meaning, translating, literally translating, but also translating, translating, taking it in, you know, through a process of reflection. And so um, I'll offer you this rather a free translation, so, um, but it, it, it made my bow float, so, you know, again, not to take this, but you might feel inspired to, to do your own with a, a, a beloved text, a Buddhist or Christian or any, anyone, a beautiful, wonderful way of, 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 of taking something to heart, you know, not just thinking about it, but sort of, yeah, Stephen Batchelor says, translating, translating concept into the language of the heart, which I think is, I love that, I think it can be very helpful. So here's, here's my one. With apologies to Angela 
Sakito, the Buddha. Let us make our minds shine with benevolence. Let it fill our minds and bodies, softening and releasing all that hinders and obscures. Let us joyfully feel an abundance of benevolence, allowing its all-embracing nature to free us from suffering, bringing us home to the formless field of blessing. And again, I think as I was saying this morning, I feel like part of what helps us in, in however we engage with this practice, this cultivation, this reflection, is that to let it, um, to let it kind of, uh, how can I put it, spark or um, mingle or meet our our um, spirit or our, you know, I was saying our, long, our longings. So, so that somehow then something of our own deep wish, wishes for life, for ourselves, for others, can actually somehow mm, connect us with these ancient teachings and make them so much more than just you know, dry words on a page.
which is actually somewhat of a segue into tomorrow. It's, a, it's actually a compassion chant, but um, Soha said I could do it. I wasn't going onto her turf in an untimely fashion. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's a chant that I, I made up based on um, a phrase, a compassion kind of practice phrase in the back of a book by Tanisara called Time to Stand Up, I think. And, um, yeah, it's um, a chant and a a, a practice and connected with the Bodhisattva of Compassion, which is an image here, um, an, an embodiment of compassion. And known as also the Kuan Yin or the Avalokiteshvara. So I'm very good at saying that. Um, and there's also a beautiful one just outside the hall on the on the windowsill. And she's in that wonderful. And they call it like you know heavenly ease. She's got one Royal leg. Ease. Pardon? Royal ease. Royal ease. Like just you should go out check her out. She looks like wow. Anyway. She's really, I was thinking, wow, we come to the hall and sit like this. She's sitting like, she's sitting like, <laughs> something like that. It's like, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, royal ease. Thank you, Sanko. Yeah, it's, um, sounds good, doesn't it? And something really beautiful about, about her and about that figure and sort of embodying and expressing the sense of compassion for all beings and that we we will be going into more tomorrow. Um, it's really, yeah, we could say a sense of the friendliness. That's what happens, how it transforms when it meets pain and suffering, transforms into compassion and care. Well, I hope this is going to Join in if you want, but also really, really feel free. Feel free not to. It's really fine if you just want to listen. So um, we'll just do this for a little while. And yeah, make please make yourself comfortable. Be, feel free to, to shift or take, you know, go for the royal ease position if you like. No, I'm not. <laughs> Thank you. As demonstrated. <laughs> okay, so... So offered uh, in deep gratitude for the teachings, for my beloved colleagues, for all the coordinators and everybody who works here and keeps this place going, and and for you out of gratitude, gratitude for your practice and your presence here. May our practice be for our benefit and the benefit of all beings everywhere. So we'll, we'll chant and then we'll just be quiet for a bit then. Okay, let's see if I can remember it now. Big build up. Um. <clears throat> Rest. Oh, cool. Blimey. Resting. Resting. <laughs> Resting deeply. I return my to the one who listens deeply to the sounds of the world, resting, resting deeply, I return my life to the one who listens deeply to the sounds of the world resting resting deeply i return my life to the one who listens deeply to the sounds of the Return my love.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.